the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He was recognized in 2020 as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings over 30 years' experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. Welcome to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you haven't heard the show before, hey, welcome. I mean, we're starting to get some listeners from different places. But this show is in a couple of different parts. The first part of the show, we talk about estate planning and elder law. And the idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate. And in today's world, it's very, very important to avoid probate. And as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. The the second part of the show, we talk about history, politics, religion. And, you know, we haven't spoken a lot about the Civil War in, in the last few months because of different circumstances, mostly COVID. But today we are going to be talking somewhat about the Civil War. And But let's start getting back to estate planning. And as you know, each week we have one of the attorneys at our office, you know, converse and ask a question or two. And, and this week we have Daniela Campoli. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Okay. So, Daniela, you, you had a question that came up I did. this week. I did. So the question was, if somebody has a valid power of attorney, can another family member initiate a guardianship proceeding? Well, unfortunately or fortunately, it depends, I guess, on the circumstances, what happens. Yes. Um, you know, one, they could make the argument that the power of attorney has been abusive toward, we're going to say, you know, child, parents, and children, but the one of the children through a power of attorney maybe has been abusive to the parent, and they should be removed as power of attorney, and that would be one of the reasons to bring guardianship. On the other hand, if there's no abuse in the, the power of attorney, one of the ways to defeat the guardianship is to go to the court and say we have a validly executed power of attorney that was done you know, whatever, hopefully a few years earlier or so, and the person was obviously competent and the person wanted to choose this person to be, you know, in charge of something happens. And I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, a sword that cuts both ways. You can't stop somebody from bringing a guardianship. Uh, even, even sometimes if the person on whom the guardianship is brought is completely sane and competent, it may not get dismissed until they go to court and then say, whatever they want to say. And I, I've seen that happen more more than a few times. And, and guardianship, I would not bring a guardianship lightly. I would not want it to happen to uh, to an enemy of mine, let alone a relative that, 
you know, I care for. So I would try to stay out of the guardianship court, you know, as, as long as possible. Of course, that's one of the reasons to sign a PAV attorney and appoint somebody in the family to make decisions on your behalf if you can't speak yourself. Because one of the things you, you want to try to do is avoid going through court, avoiding guardianship. And right now, if you really have to go through guardianship, it's taken a long time. Are the courts open or closed? You know, uh, the courts say they're open, but try to get in and try to file papers and get them to reviewed by a living, breathing person. You know, so it, it's a very difficult time right now. Meanwhile, Daniela, um, where where did you grow up? Where did you go to law school? Um, I grew up in Queens, Floral Park. Um, I went to law school at Pace University up in White Plains. And I went to St. John's for undergraduate. And when you say Floral Park, I always get confused. Part of Floral Park is in Nassau County and part of it is in Queens? Yes. So half of it is Nassau, half of it is is Queens. And you live on the Queens side, I suppose. Yes. The conversation, okay. The border's actually on my block. So there's a line dividing Queens and Nassau on my block. <laughs> I'm just curious. Do you know what the real estate taxes are like on, on the other side of the block? Either way. So it's... I'm going to say my grandmother lives in the Nassau part. Her taxes are about ten, twelve thousand. Ours are about six, seven thousand. Yeah, and I and at one point I remember when it was even you know real estate taxes in New York City have gone up over the last few years, so they're starting to you know thanks to our current mayor, but they're starting to even up a little bit. But it used to be at two thousand to ten thousand. Yeah. At one point I remember. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, so since you live in Queens, uh. You spend a little bit more time in our Queen's offices than some of the other attorneys here. Where just say where we we have an office in Bayside and and, and Metropolitan Avenue in Queens. So how how many days a week are you there? Um, about three days, three days give or take a week. Now some people say, what's the difference between the Queen's office and the Brooklyn office? And you want to just tell them a little bit. So the Queen's office is an outer office. Our Brooklyn office is our main office. It's our headquarters. So all of our files are kept in Brooklyn. Our Queen's offices are, you know, smaller offices, more client-friendly. <laughs> well, here's one thing. In Queens, you know, we're all in one area, 1,000 square feet. Yes. Brooklyn, we have 13,000 square feet. So sometimes you can't even find some of the attorneys when you're trying to find them. They kind exactly. of disappear for an hour or two. <laughs> in Middle Village and Bayside, we can't hide. You, you can't hide. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you, you got to be there. Middle Village is the worst. The the window, the big window yes. is there. Yeah. Yes, they can see us. We can't hide. That's right. <laughs> so let me ask you something. Like, you, you work mostly on estate planning. What What is the goal for us for an estate planning besides what I just said? Um, I, I think one of the main things is to the middle-class families, they want to protect their house. And how do they do that? So they can protect their property by putting it into a trust. An irrevocable trust would avoid probate. It would start that clock for nursing home protection, so their house, their property would be fully protected after five years. It also can obviously avoid probate. Their family members do not have to go to court to collect their assets. They just need a death certificate, and they'll be allowed to sell the property the next day. Which right now, sometimes a simple husband and wife to two children will. Even even a will from husband to wife might take I don't know how long to get through probate because things have just been sitting there the last year and a half. Exactly. Even a simple probate we just had took about five, six months when it should have taken maybe a month or two. And that's just to the children. No no legal no, complications yep, whatsoever. No complications. To any legal complication, you can still be there. Yep. And also, 
do you speak any other languages? I do. I speak Italian. So how did you learn how to speak Italian? Well, my parents were born in Italy, and I grew up with my grandparents. So they only spoke to me in Italian, so that helped me out there. Now I can speak Italian fluently. <laughs> I remember one day, one night, you were asked, you, you helped Joe Piscopo's cousin. I did. In one of the events there, because <laughs> he had one of his cousins, I think they were come from Avazino. Yes. Yes, they did. So we were just having conversation, you know, asking where they were from, you know, talking about the home country. <laughs> uh, Daniela, you know, I, I kind of remember your wedding, but how, how long have you been married now? Two years in September. Okay. And w one of the craziest things was that at your wedding, one of the band members was a client yes. who happens to have a couple of doctorates. <laughs> so, you know, yes, he was the saxophone player and we realized it over a Zoom and he said, wow, you got, you look very familiar. And we realized he was the saxophone player at our wedding. What a small world. Yeah, he teaches music, I think, at Queens, Queens College. Yes, yes. You know, and he also has a medical degree, whatever, so. Yes, he does. You know, but that, <laughs> but that goes to show you sometimes how, you know, what a small world it is and how sometimes you run into different people from different corners, uh, you know, of the world. Now. So you married how long again? Two years and how many months? Two years in September. So Two have, years in September, that's yeah, all? one more month to go. Mm. <laughs> no, it just seems... It seems longer. It seems longer. I don't know why. Maybe it seems longer to you, but... It, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what does your husband do for a living? Where's he from? So he's from Diker Heights, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. um, he owns a business in Prospect Park. So his uncles own a butcher shop called United Meat Market. He owns the laundromat right next door. And where's his family from originally? They're from Calabria. So we're on both two different sides of Italy. Yeah, you got you can <laughs> drive across. It's not really that far away, though. Uh, you have to take another plane to you get really to do? his, yeah, to get to his yeah. area. Yeah. Now, one question just for, you know, people who might have no idea. I mean, are, th are there differences in culture between one region in Italy and another as distinct as, say, difference in culture between states here? Yes. So they have a different dialect. It's completely a different language. So getting used to that is a lot. But it's a completely different way of life also. Because they're on the beach, very relaxed. My family's more from the country. More farms you know, agriculturally, all that's a lot different. Okay, so here's one thing. Let's say if, if you have somebody out there and they need, uh, you know, an attorney who speaks Italian, you can give us a call at Connors & Sullivan at 718-238-6500, 238-6500, ask for Daniela, and, you know, we'll schedule for you. And, again, we do not charge for the initial consultation. First consultation is free on anything that we talk about as far as estate planning is concerned. And Daniela goes, she hasn't been in Staten Island an awful lot, but she goes to the other offices, and by appointment, she'll be there. So, Daniela, thank you for being on Ask the Lawyer. Thank yeah. you, everyone. Thanks so much. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it hard to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A government-insured reverse mortgage may be the answer or might be the perfect solution for you and your family. 
Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner. I've been a mortgage specialist for over 20 years, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. This past October, the federal government made changes to the reverse mortgage loan program. Give me a call now so our office can show you how these changes affect how much money you receive and how the annual mortgage insurance costs have decreased. My job is to help you find the best solutions for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this FHA program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me right now. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-943-2646, or try me on the internet at www.quanticbank.com backslash fmelia. Once again, call 888-943-2646, and you could be on your way to a stress-free retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591. All loans provided by Quantic Bank, NMLS number 403503. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. Because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, there are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So, St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Uh, this time again, we're accompanied by Nicole Donnelly, one of the attorneys in our office, and my son, Michael. Hello, Nic- everyone. Nicole, what do you know about the American Civil War? Oh, boy, Mr. Connors. I know that I'm trying to be part of the Civil War Roundtable, and you are just not propelling me to the top of that membership list, and I'm not sure why. You can join the membership. It's very open. (laughs) But in in fact, right now, we're going to tell you how to do it because we're going to have Paul Weiss, who is the now president of the Civil War Roundtable. Paul served before. In fact, when Paul was president of the Civil War Roundtable, at that time I was his vice president. I later succeeded him as president. And now Michael is going to be vice president under Paul. So Paul Weiss is a really good guy, Vietnam War veteran, right-sided thinker. Um, But... Nicole, if why don't you join the Civil War Roundtable if you're that interested in it? Well, because you haven't told me how to join, and you also haven't put in a good word for me. I feel like I don't want to go in there blind. You don't blind. need a good word. You got it. Michael? Look, you've got the vice president's vote, at least. Yeah. Paul Weiss, you know where to find me. Let's chat. No, 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 no. <laughs> you contact Paul Weiss, and you, you tell him you want to join. Now, by the way... Those of you who are interested in the Civil War, we've got the Breezy Point Civil War Club meeting. What date is that, Michael? The Breezy Point Civil War Roundtable is going to be meeting... No, it's not a roundtable. It's a club. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, the Breezy Point Civil War Club will be meeting on October 20th at 6.30 p.m. 
and that is going to be your speaker for that evening. Okay, and what I think we're going to be talking about are Civil War generals in Greenwood Cemetery. And for those of you who haven't taken tours of Greenwood Cemetery, I strongly recommend you think about doing it. It's very, it's a fascinating place. And, you know, we were talking to Pat Fauci last week. I didn't realize that uh, William S. Hart uh, is buried in Greenwood Cemetery. Oh, okay. William oh, S. Hart speak, was okay. one of, Speaking of Pat Fauci, by the way, um, our first Civil War Roundtable meeting in September is going to be with Pat as our virtual speaker. He's actually, this is going to be something new we're trying, where we're going to have a virtual roundtable in conjunction with the New England Civil War Roundtable. New England or Boston specifically? I think it's New England, but I... Yeah, but the New England Civil War Roundtable is going to be doing a joint presentation. Pat's actually on the road. He'll be speaking from over there. And we're going to talk about the horses of all the famous generals in the Civil War. That reminds me one time, Robert Mitchum's daughter, we did a uh, show about a lot of the horses of famous movie stars or whatever. And one of the things that was most impressive, if anybody remembers Jimmy Stewart's horse, Pie, there was one scene in a movie, The Far Country, where the horse has to walk, you know, through the street, you know, all the way through to get at the end because it's kind of like a, a decoy for Jimmy Stewart because the horse has a bell on its saddle. So the horse comes walking through the street with the bell ringing on its saddle and all the townspeople come out to see it and then Jimmy Stewart pops up to get the bad guys. Um, but uh, uh, according to Miss Mitchum, that scene was done in one shot. The horse just walked through exactly where he was supposed to walk through. You know, didn't have any lines, obviously, but it was able to carry out a scene or her scene. I don't even know what pie was. Um, without, without a, you know, with just one take. And that, uh, that horse was Jimmy Stewart's horse in like 14 of his westerns. She was bred to be a superstar. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So in other words, what, what, so what's Pat Fauci? We've got to talk to him anyway, but what's Pat Fauci talking about? What horses? The, the, gener the horses of famous generals in the Civil War. So he's going to be going on about that, you know, whether it be A.P. Hill or it be Robert E. Lee or Ulysses S. Grant or General Meade. It's going to be all of their mounts, essentially. I don't you even know, know their what faithful companions. So, what was Ulysses S. Grant's horse? I don't know if he had a favorite horse. Yeah, well, that we don't want to spoil everything for our audience, do we? All right, all right. So, Michael, where can Nicole join the Civil War Roundtable of New York? Well, I mean, if you want information on our meetings, you can just call us at Connors and Sullivan, seven one eight two three eight sixty five hundred. That's 718-238-6500 or 7408 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. And you can get any of the information you need in order to join right from us here. And we're not a very exclusive club. The only the only thing I would say, you got to be interested in learning more about the Civil War, whether you learn a lot or whether you need to learn a lot or whether you need to learn a little. I mean, I every meeting I learn something. Um, and I know a, a fair amount about the Civil War. And... You know, and if you if you really want to just start learning, you know nothing. It's a great place to start, and it's a it's a fascinating it's a fascinating uh, part of history. You know, so again, if you, if you want to join the Civil War Roundtable, please feel free. And to call, all you got to do is go upstairs, go to Donna's office, <laughs> and get an, an application form, and you'll be admitted. So just to be clear, some myth busters here. You don't have to know anything about the Civil War. 
before you join. Right. Yes. And there is no membership test. Yes. No. No test. No test. There is no test. We should probably put one in. No. You're going <laughs> to disqualify me if we do that. No, we do there have, is if you no join, test. If you want to join the Searchers Club, then you have That's to have a test. That's something completely different. For the Civil War Roundtable, there is no test. But before you take this, before you become part of the Searchers Club, you got to see the movie The Searchers at least a dozen times. And pass the test. How am I supposed to do that when I'm working with you all the time? You do it at night. She's too busy. She's working at night. She works in the morning. She works at night. Can we stick to one club at a time? Yeah. (laughs) Very confusing. Well, most of the people that are in the Searchers Club are members of the Civil War Roundtable. Not that most people in the Civil War Roundtable are members of the Searchers Club. But everybody who's a member of the Searchers Club is also a member of the Civil War Roundtable. Right there. All right, so there may be some conversations about searchers that I don't really understand, but all right. That's okay. That's okay. The Civil War Roundtable is definitely different. not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but well, in any definitely event, not. In any event, if you want to come out to Breezy Point, you know, come out there. We'll talk about the, the Civil War generals in, in Greenwood Cemetery. And, Beth, we were talking about it uh, while you were away for a few minutes. Uh Greenwood Cemetery is a fascinating place. Like I just learned the other day from Pat Fauci that William S. Hart is buried there. And I know half of you don't know who, half of you, two-thirds of you don't know who William S. Hart was. But he was one of the great uh, Western stars in the 1920s silent and was, you know, a, a great actor. I know we've been through, you know, the it, it, it's, it's just, there is, a, there are, um, rides i'm saying because you can get in a a trolley because it can go you can look at the people who are actors and actresses you can look at the people who are in sports you can look at the people who were in um uh the civil war other wars there's so many different categories um politicians um musicians um and you know we've we've been there for several of them but one of the most fun ones and y'all are think I'm going to think I'm crazy but there I went on one about the trees and the plants the flowers that were there because there are more exotic trees in Greenwood Cemetery than are exhibited in the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens because it Trees were brought from all over the world to make this resting place a beautiful place for the people, not the people that were buried there, but for their fa- friendly, for their friends and family to come visit them. It's, a, it's an extraordinary place. And if you want to come to Connors and Sullivan, in our front window is on display the Irish Brigade at Antietam, led by the... General Thomas Francis Marr of the Irish Brigade, and the reason it was on display at Greenwood Cemetery, they were unveiling a bust of General Marr at the uh, at the cemetery. They never found his body. He was uh, either killed by President vigilantes, or he was drunk and fell off the boat. You know, that's the. Now, the remember, two he was Irish. Which yeah. do you think happened? I, but in any event, they never found his body, but his wife is buried in Greenwood Cemetery. And they put, you know, the, the members of the 69th and other historical groups put a, a bust of, of General Marr there near his wife's grave. 
It's a yeah. love. It really is a, lo a lovely, lovely bust. Now, are we really going to mention all of this about Greenwood Cemetery without mentioning mentioning um, Tom Sweeney? Uh huh. Yeah, and if you you know, I used to give a couple of talks about Tom Sweeney, and those of you know, the immortal Ed Bars was here one day, and we were talking about Tom Sweeney, and Ed Bars was quoting from Tom Sweeney's court martial when he simultaneously, with one arm, he lost one arm at Chapultepec. But with his one good arm, he beat up two other generals and beat them into the ground and sent them into the hospital with his one good arm. And also commanded the invasion of Canada yeah. by the Fenian Raiders. Right. That sounds like a man after my heart. Yeah, he... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you have to go to the Civil War round table. And not only that, he was... Well, we'll talk about him at Greenwood Cemetery because he is buried in Greenwood Cemetery or Fort Hamilton Parkway. But one of the other things I liked about him is last time he was court-martialed was, I think, on St from his actions on St. Patrick's Day, 1868, when he was drunk in public, urinating in public, and was seen in the company of a lewd woman. And he was court-martialed for that, but he got a very minor sentence. And the New York Times wrote an editorial saying, how many times is this guy going to get away with it? I may have to take my statement back. Oh, no. Take Colorful. what back? Colorful. She wants, to, she wants to know more about this. It doesn't get any better than this. History is just the most interesting thing in the world. And Tom Sweeney is buried uh, off Fort Hamilton Parkway in Greenwood Cemetery. And he's not too far away from Henry Halleck who Henry Halleck was kind of like the chief of staff, you know, in the Civil War. He was the commander in Washington. First, he was General Grant's commanding officer, and later on, roles were reversed, and Grant became his commanding officer, but he still kept him in Washington as kind of like the Washington chief of staff or whatever. And he's also buried in Greenwood Cemetery. So, And General Garnett is buried in Greenwood Cemetery. He's a Confederate general. His wife was from Brooklyn. And he died in the war, and he early in the war. It's not the General Garnett that was uh, at Gettysburg. It's his brother. And he was killed early in the war, and he was buried in Greenwood Cemetery. His wife was from Brooklyn. At first, it was a secret burial, but later, I think he does have a tombstone. But there are all sorts of these fascinating stories of people, you know, who are buried in Greenwood Cemetery. And, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more, hopefully I can part a little bit of the knowledge I know about some of these guys. If you come to the Breezy Point Club, on October 20th at what our meeting, I think, starts at 7 o'clock. Uh, 6.30. 6.30. All right. Thought it started at 7. Uh, if you show up early at 6.30 and you're waiting around a half hour, I apologize in advance. <laughs> I'll take the blame. I'll All take right. the blame. All right. So here we're going to be talking to Paul Weiss, new president of the Civil War Roundtable of New York City. Hi, this is Patrick Wayne. I had the good fortune to be raised by a man of strength and courage, a man of true grit. My father, John Wayne, died of stomach cancer in 1979, and in his characteristic style, he ignored advice to keep his disease quiet and campaigned publicly to encourage preventive treatments. He inspired our family to carry on that mission, and today the John Wayne Cancer Institute at Providence St. John's Health Center in Santa Monica, California, continues to take bold steps in cancer research. The John Wayne Cancer Institute has developed novel approaches to detect cancer, establishes therapies to boost the immune system to fight what my dad called the big C, and initiated less invasive surgeries. We've made significant advances in treating melanoma and breast cancer. All this has been made possible by my father's legacy of determination and a community of supporters who have helped expand upon that legacy. For more information, visit www.jwcigiving.org. 
time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, we, we haven't talked as much about the Civil War we've had in the past, and, and part of it is, you know, the Civil War Roundtable of New York we're not meeting in person, and, and I think that's kind of slowed me down in getting Civil War speakers to get on the show. But let's talk a little bit about the Civil War, and right now we have the new incoming president of the Civil War Roundtable, Paul Weiss. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you, Mike. Okay, now you, you were president before. When you were president, I was vice president. How many years ago was that? It was uh, during the uh, the, vice, the, the, the 150th anniversary, so it was like uh, 2004. 2015 right 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 yeah Yeah, those are the years and and that was great for the show because we used to get ed bars on right on whatever the you know if we're close to the anniversary of antietam he would come on talk about antietam the 150th anniversary of gettysburg you come on talk about gettysburg chickamauga whatever you know so we had a regular series with ed bars on you know what happened 150 years ago in the civil war and you know like when you think about it i mean I don't know how many times we heard him speak, but he was probably one of the most incredible human beings, <laughs> historians that you ever saw. One of a kind. There's, there's no doubt about it. Uh, a legend in his own time. It's, uh, <laughs> yes. he, he practically invented being a battlefield guide. I mean, he set this. He set the, the the template for everybody else. And I think most of the listeners here remember him. But he had such a complete command. I mean, he. A lot of guys can tell you what generals were at different battles, but he can tell you what colonels were at different battles, what units were there. And he never had to use notes. It was all in. It was all in his head. Was, yeah. Uh, like I remember one time we talked, and this wasn't even the battle in New Orleans. Um. He he explained the battle of New Orleans in forty minutes. The battle only took twenty minutes, but he had to tell you what was happening on the right flank, the left flank, and in the center, and what. British colonels were there, and he compared one British colonel to Pat Fauci. I remember that. Well, if you remember, one time when he spoke with us, he was leaving the next day to, to go to uh, Great Britain to do one of the b- battles between Scotland and, 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 and England. So yeah, Battle was, of Culloden, which we got. Right. He was going so, to the Battle of Culloden. Which, so the Civil War wasn't his only field of expertise. <laughs> no, Didn't he, he do did. Napoleonic Wars as well? Yes, he did. He was... Yeah. He, at the Waterloo, he did. He was a he was at Waterloo a couple of times. Yeah, he did some World War II battles. I know that yeah. in Europe. Yeah, he was an amazing man. That's uh, but, but that but that's hopefully we're going to start full swing into, you know, the season September, next right? year, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll, we'll have in person speakers again. Uh, th- there's a whole list of people out there now. One good thing about that we liked about Zoom is that we could get a speaker from anywhere in the country. Right, and we didn't have to pay for transportation or, right. or hotels, but uh, it's still it's 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 not the quite same quite the same thing as getting together. It's uh... well, you know, and one of the things that we one of the things we could do is still get a speaker on Zoom, but be together eating and have the speaker on the camera. True, that's absolutely true. And yeah, that's a big screen, you know, and that yeah. way we still manage to get these speakers from all across the country, but. It's one of the things we need to discuss in the future, but distance learning. <laughs> absolutely, <Yes>. absolutely. <laughs> but one one of the the best things when we do meet is you get to meet the other members and you can talk. And I mean, believe me, you do not have to be an expert in the Civil War to join. I think the only qualification that you're you're trying to learn something more about the Civil War 
And whether whether you show up, and some of us, we may want, always learn something, maybe one or two minor things. Other people who know nothing about some battles may learn quite a bit. Like I remember a few years ago when we, Wilson's Creek, didn't know anything about Wilson's sure, Creek, and sure. we learned quite a bit. And nobody knows everything. No, no matter how much you think you know, there's always more to learn. It's it's impossible for some one person to grasp everything. It's just uh, there's just so much. I mean, look at all the books that come out every year, and it's been it's been 158 years now since Gettysburg, as they were just they were just uh, commemorating commemorating uh, this past week. And you know why? Let me ask you, Paul. Do you know where we would if if somebody wanted to join the Civil War Roundtable or have, have any information about it? Um, you can check the website, but you can also always call our office, you know, at 718-238-6500. We'll get you an application out there to, to learn. And listen, there's no, some people get a little nervous, say, well, I don't know that much about Civil War. I'd like to go, but I don't know that much about the Civil War. You don't have to. You just have to be, if you'd like to be interested and learn a little bit, that's the only, that's the only qualification. And Paul, you tell, it's a pretty good group. Absolutely. And, uh, and then we have all levels of expertise maybe is the wrong word but sure there are people who know who know practically nothing and there are people who know almost 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 everything you would think but uh uh you don't need any any particular qualification nobody's going to give you a test either before or afterwards so yeah some people get nervous they're going to get a test if they're going to be able to join it's non-exclusive club just a willingness to, to listen to somebody speak about something that they know about Michael, do you know we're going to have? You think we're going to have meetings on Zoom where we meet in person and on Zoom? I think so. I think it's going to be a fusion meeting at least for a while there, um, and I think I think that's going to be a very good thing. I think that's going to allow people maybe who you know schedules are just tough, or maybe they're still nervous about the pandemic, to be able to still participate. Um, it's one of those things. You know, you can't quite substitute the feeling of talking with people in person, but. There's absolutely a way for us to be inclusive for everyone of different comfort. And if you're on vacation, you can still join us. So that would be another reason that you would be able to. Yeah. I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities for us in the next year. We might be able to get speakers from all over the country. Hopefully we're going to meet in person because to me that was, you know, it's just to talk to, to people before the meeting, after the meeting, catch up personally on things, but, but just to have the camaraderie, which I hate to say it, but Zoom doesn't get you there. Right. And, and part of our mission is to is to promote social, educational, literary, and, and other historical uh, aspects of, this, of the Civil War. And the social part is very important. Now, the three of us, of course, are well-versed in it, but why would you say to someone who was thinking about it, why, what's the importance of the Civil War in, un, in today's civics and understanding our country, et cetera? Why, well, why it, is it important? Why well, does all this history from I think 150 years ago most, matter? It, it's the most, without a doubt, it's the most important thing that ever happened to this country. It, the country was completely different before the Civil War and after the Civil War. And almost all aspects of life that we have today were some way connected to what happened during the Civil War. I mean, little things, uh, not little things, but, but things you don't think of. The industrialization of the country uh, greatly was, was, was greatly built up during the Civil War. Uh, railroads, um, the power of the, of, the, of the federal government. Because out of necessity, when Lincoln was president, they had to assume a lot more power than anybody even thought of before the Civil War. And of course, it goes without saying, the, the racial aspects of society, that, 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 that all stems from what happened before, during, and right after the Civil War. So almost every aspect of modern life was touched some way in what happened to the Civil War. And that's not even to say it was it, 620,000 uh, soldiers died one way or another in that war out of a population of 30-some-odd million. Almost everybody knew someone 
or if not in their family, then their neighbor who was was either killed, wounded, or captured sometime during that war. So the the trauma that everybody suffered lasted for generations after the war, especially in the South. Was it Murray Williamson though, that I think did a study? mathematical study that a lot more people died in the war than they have recorded on the right right it, it's it's the for census figures there's some figures that came out 750,000 right that would right. be the equivalent of 8 million people killed today yeah and it's a lot it's a lot of people because a lot of people here's mm-hmm. the thing let's say you're wounded toward the end of the war you were sent home and then you lived at home for six months then died you weren't a casualty right right well if, if, if you take the, the male population I saw recently the the male population of the South, fifty um, percent of the white males in the South were in the service at one time or another, and twenty-two or twenty-three percent of them were killed. <laughs> that's that's a huge number of people in a, a rel- from for a relatively small area. So everybody, that's why the South was especially was was affected by by the war. And uh, if you count all the wounded, all the dead, all the captured, it, it's over a million people or over a million men were uh, were affected one way or another in those four years. That's a, that's a lot. That's a lot of people. Now, well, a couple of times we've had uh, talks about battlefield medicine back then, and of course, one of the, the the disturbing points is a lot of times if we were shot in the the arm or the leg, your arm was amputated, your leg was amputated. There, there wasn't delicate surgeries back then. If your bone was smashed from one of those mini balls, they just chopped your arm off. Well, the basic the basic weapon, the musket fired a fifty eight caliber uh, a bullet, and uh, compared to modern weapons of twenty two or thirty caliber, and it's a huge piece of metal. And if it hit you in the right spot, it would shatter the bone. And it really the surgery at the time, even today, they would have problems trying to to to, uh, to save an arm. And then they had no shot at all. It, to save the life, they had to take off an arm or a leg or else gangrene, infection would set in and the, the person would die. So that, that's the reason so many arms and legs were loped off. They really had no choice. You know, let me ask you something. Before, you know, what you're retired now, but what did you used to do for a living? Well, I worked, for the, I worked for the Veterans Administration and... and uh, handling veterans claims right and before that you were in the service i was in the service i was in the army and and uh, in vietnam i was in the infantry and you obviously you're in vietnam what were you platoon leader i was in vietnam i was a platoon leader right that okay. was for, for half a year anyway so <laughs> that was the that was the rule kind of for officers you spend half a year in the field and then half a year working in the staff if you similarly survive that's a, so uh yeah, that, that's that was our that was our uh, job there. So, uh, and I, well, I was a Civil War uh, fan, aficionado before I was in the service. But I got a whole new appreciation of how difficult it is to actually try and maneuver men on the ground and being in a combat environment. And I had a lot better, a more a more appreciation for those officers and uh, and sergeants and everything. And during the Civil War, how difficult their job really was, although. You know, the situations were quite different, but some of some of the basics remained the same. And it's it's a very difficult thing to do, and to do it well is is very is very hard. That's why so few officers at the top really succeeded. You, you can put them you can put them on one hand, a number of of army commanders that were really they were really successful during the war because it's a very difficult thing to do. Not May we say that, God bless think, you for your ahead, service. May we say God bless you for your service, sir. For yeah. oh, just on our, for you, absolutely. no charge. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things I think you appreciate a little bit more, one of the things I learned about the Civil War from the Civil War Roundtable, communications. You know, today we have radios, we can 
you know, the office could talk to their men over long distances. Back then in the Civil War, you know, it was bugle and, and drums and shouts. Right, and that's and it, it's very difficult. That's why formations were so tight to try and con- control what was going on. And that's why it, it took an extraordinarily gifted commander to try and control everything that was going on. They had to have to keep a lot of things in mind and uh, and not lose the sight of what they were trying to accomplish. It, it's, you, I mean, you, literally, you have you have Grant and Sherman and Lee and possibly Jackson. You could put him put him in that and 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 George Thomas. And it's hard to find others who really succeeded at that high command level. It was just such a difficult thing to do. They mostly failed. And even Robert E. Lee, a lot of times that was the problem. He commuted in writing, and sometimes his orders were misinterpreted or not fully interpreted to his, you know, to his standard. Miscommunication, exactly. Yeah. That that's that's always been a problem. It always it always will be a problem, and that's uh, it's uh, it, it's a very difficult thing to do well. And you got to you got to give credit to those who who've done it who've done it well. And uh, it's it's uh, it's it's not it's not something that just we we had that at the, in the Civil War. A lot of political generals who were very intelligent, very organized people, but they got into a battlefield situation and they couldn't cope because they didn't have that 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 that, that combination of qualities that that would make them a successful military commander. Although they were extraordinary men in other in other in other circumstances. Now back to the club for some of our audience who might be interested at this point after hearing all that. Um, we have a club anniversary coming up this year, don't we? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah we, we, we were founded in uh, 1951. So uh, how many years is that? <laughs> 70 years. I think 70 it's 70, years. yeah. Okay. So it's the 70th anniversary of the Civil War Roundtable this year. Another thing that's coming up this year is it will be President Grant's 400th birthday in April. 200th. 200, excuse me. Yeah, let's not make him 200. No, my goodness, no. Well, he's that was... <laughs> right, 1921, yeah. Apologies for the misspeak. <laughs> and again, we'll say this again. We mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. But if you're ever in Starkville, Mississippi, and I don't know why you ever would be in Starkville, Mississippi, <laughs> but go see the Grant Memorial, the Grant Papers. A very impressive exhibit there in Mississippi, run by a friend and acquaintance, uh, John Marzalak, who has written a lot of books about Sherman and Grant. And, and is very amiable, very nice guy to talk to, and he can show you around the uh, the museum. And, and it, it, it's really very interesting. You get a better sense of who Grant was. And Grant is probably one of the true remarkable figures of, you know, the Civil War. And what he did, even as president, to, you know, try to end the the, I don't know what you call it, you know, the negative parts about slavery, not that you could. But he did an awful lot for civil rights in his term, which is is kind of forgotten almost 150 years later. And and he uh, he was in he, he knocked out the 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 original iteration of the Ku Klux Klan. Yep. Uh, it came back, you know, 50 years after that. But he was the first. He was the president under under whom the, the Ku Klux Klan was defanged, so to speak. And but we've been we've all been at lunches where General Petraeus said he's the greatest general in American history, and. Uh, in many ways, I guess you would you would have to consider him up there. Sherman, his good friend Sherman, is a, Sherman was was smarter than he was. He was much, he was more uh, educationally refined. He he read a lot more, but he said Grant has something that none of us have. He has that determination, that bulldog tenacity, and he will not be stopped. And uh, 
he was he would not be stopped. And listen, when you and I probably went to to grammar school and high school, I think we were kind of fed the line that Grant was really not a great general. Right, he but Grant just had butcher. overwhelming numbers. Grant the butcher, right? Yeah, and he 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 planned and and uh, and ex and executed the, one of the greatest operations in the history of, of warfare, whether not only civil war, any warfare, the Vicksburg operation. That Which is, he was extraordinary. His extraordinary. troops in the field were outnumbered in the whole campaign. Right. He he kept the he kept Confederates completely off balance. They had no idea where he was going or what he was doing, and uh, he it was just an extraordinary operation for 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 about a week or ten days. He just he he just did something that really nobody else could have done at that time. Even overseas, the the uh, foreign generals have always uh, have always said that, that was one of the greatest operations of all time. And, all right, uh, so if you want to learn more about the Civil War, I'll tell you what, for the time being during the summer, give us a call at our office. Ask to speak to Donna if you want information about the Civil War Roundtable. Give us a call at 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. And if you want to come over here and see our toy soldier collection, military miniatures, you're more than welcome to do that. Just call first. Pick a day when uh, a quiet day when people can take you from room to room. But, Paul... Uh, you have any reactions about the collection here? It's extraordinary. It's <laughs> the the, the art, artistry to go into each one of those little figures, and the patience to put them together, is, and and to put dozens and dozens and hundreds of them in one display is re really extraordinary. It's something that you should see. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome. Again, if you have any, you want to get any more information about the Civil War Roundtable, give us a call seven one eight two three eight sixty five hundred. Michael, he's going to be vice president of programming for this next year. So, you know, he can tell you what the speaker's going to be, hopefully in a month or two, and we'll get our schedule going for this year. Thanks for joining us, sir. Okay, very welcome. My pleasure. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors and Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or connorsandsullivan.com. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit CCB. BQ.org. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer. And, uh, Michael, if somebody's interested in the Civil War Roundtable again, how do they contact us? I mean, honestly, the easiest way to do it is to just call our office at 718-238-6500 and ask about the Civil War Roundtable. We'll get you some information immediately. Um, you can also try us at info at connorsandsullivan.com. That's info at connorsandsullivan.com. 
Now, Beth, you just had a meeting on the Civil War Roundtable. So what were the results of that meeting? We had a wonderful meeting. Um, uh, Paul Weiss and I met Chef Gary at Three West Club. And we, after all this COVID mess and everything, we are starting up at Three West again this year. And Chef Jerry's pro- Gary has promised to do wonderful things for us. And so we are going to have, we're going to be there um, September through June. And it's going to be every second Wednesday. So please mark your calendars the second Wednesday of every month. And if you're able anytime in there and you want to come over, please call us and, um, just have a wonderful time because as you know, there, you know, there are drinks, there's delicious food and there's a wonderful speaker. We also, um, have, um, gifts for people, surprise gifts. We sell some tickets and have a wonderful raffle. It is a lot of fun and we have not been together and I have missed it. So I'm hoping we get some new people joining us this time and we'll start off with a bang. And once again, remember this is again our 70th anniversary year. Um, We've got some wonderful events planned for this year. So we we really do look forward. And, you know, now that we have our dates set and everything, I'm going to be pounding the pavement, trying to get us the best possible speakers that we can have. We already have some great ones lined up. We've got Pat Falsey on the horses of Civil War generals in September. And then in November, in October, it's going to be our, which is the actual 70th anniversary, it's going to be our Fletcher Pratt winner of last year. All right. Now, and by the way, if you do want to call directly for a reservation, give us a call at 718-341-9811. 718-341-9811. Our first meeting is going to be September when? Our first meeting is going to be September 8th at the 3 West Club with doors opening at 530. And we will absolutely love to have you there. So we spent you know, a good part of the show talking about the Civil War and the Civil War Roundtable. We thought we'd end the show with Fred Waring's version of Battle Hymn of the Republic.
Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors and Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.